I just want to welcome everyone here this morning. I know that there are many people here. I want to thank the guys for serving us so well as well, for blessing us this morning. And I want to thank you if you're here for the first time as well. Many will be here uh, with friends who were baptized today, relatives that were baptized. So good to celebrate this monumentous moment in their life. You know, baptism doesn't make us Christians, but it's an incredible sign of the life change that's happened in the lives of people. You know, I was thinking as we were baptizing them, my heart and hope is that every single one of those five people, next year we look at their lives and we see that they've grown in God. You know, I don't want us, and I think sometimes we can fall in the trap because we can see this as a bit of an event, but this is more more than an event. This isn't the end. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 6 that we are of the household of faith. My concern is that we we walk into the household and we stay in the hallway amongst the smelly shoes and the wet coats and we don't explore all that God's got for us. And so my hope and my heart, and I pray that, you know, we would join with every single person that was baptised today and say, we are walking with you in this journey. You know, and I want to, it's a bit of a challenge for me. I keep saying it um, over the last few months is who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? It's so important that we're walking alongside somebody. And for us to look at the lives of, you know, of Louise and George and, and Carol and Riley and um, I'm trying to remember the last person, Gemma. <laughs> and we're, you know, we see them growing in God. I want us to see them growing and developing in their relationship with God. So my, you know, my challenge to us all, and it's a challenge to me as well, who are we walking alongside? And how, how do we know someone is growing as a Christian? Is it because they're reading the Bible more? Is it because they're coming to church more or praying more? No, it's none of those things. Do you know what growth in Christ looks like? It looks like growing dependence on God and less and lessening dependence on ourselves. The, whole, the world teaches us to, to rely on ourselves, to use our own wisdom. As we look into Genesis 16 today, and we're in this series called By Faith, The Life of Abraham, we'll see that from the moment that God took Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he spent the rest of Abraham's life getting Ur of the Chaldeans out of him. And that's what happens with us as Christians, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he says, come out of the world and I'm going to get the world out of you. And by the Holy Spirit, he does that. He transforms us. And so our faith in God, and each of these guys have been baptised today, we will see them growing in dependence on God. But we've all got a part to play as they develop in their faith in Jesus Christ. So will we accept that challenge? Will we get alongside Louise and say, Louise, we're not going to let you slip back. We're going to walk alongside you. We're going to say to Gemma, we're here for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to stand together with you. You know, Abraham's growth in God was a growing dependence on Yahweh. And we see in Abraham, he made some classic mistakes. I mean, real big errors. And we do. You know, Abraham went into Egypt when there was a famine. Instead of worshipping God and trusting God, he went down into Egypt and pretended that Sarai, his, his wife, was his sister. So he made some real blunders trying to figure things out in his own strength. 
but he also had some wonderful wins as well. When uh, he was able to rescue Lot from you know, the king of Sodom, or from, from the, the armies that had got hold of him, Sodom, the king of Sodom wanted to give him the plunders of war, and Abraham said, no, the Lord is my provider. I don't need from you. So he had some wonderful wins, but he had some big mistakes as well. And last week, Jürgen unpacked chapter 15 of Genesis to us. So we're going to look at chapter 16 today. He is the God of covenant promises. Not only has God given us his word, but he's also sealed his word with a promise. And there are three lessons that I want us to to learn today from the life of Abraham, from Sarai, and from Hagar. And we're going to read this story together to, you know, in a bit. But I just wanted to say just one thing before we do, is that although our repentance and our turning to God in faith, actions, God's righteousness and forgiveness in our life completely, we're completely forgiven. When we turn to him in faith, And we say, Lord God, I'm sorry, I'm turning my back on my old life and I'm going to live my life, the rest of my life, the best of my life for you. That moment there, we become righteous. We become completely forgiven. He washes all of our mess away, amazingly. And we can go into the rest of our lives knowing that our sins are forgiven. We've been washed by Jesus Christ. And that's an incredible thing. But there are consequences often to our sins. There are consequences. Although we've been completely forgiven, I know that probably there are people in this room, I know in my life there are things that I live with today because of sin that I've committed and also sins or mistakes that I've had committed against me throughout my life. And those things affect me. They impact my life. Although I'm completely forgiven, I'm completely righteous and made right before God. Uh, There are things, there are consequences to mistakes that have been made in our lives and through our lives and towards our lives. And, you know, it doesn't, as we read this story in a bit, we're going to read the story of of Abraham, Sarai and and Hagar. And we're going to see really the beginning of what has been the consequences of a mistake of depending on the self. Uh, over the last years. Ishmael, who was Hagar's son, Abraham's son, he was the father, he is the father of the Arab nations. And Isaac, uh, the son of uh, Abraham and Sarah, God's promised son, he's the father of the, of the Jewish people. And today, and, he, and we'll read in this scripture in just a bit, that there was animosity, there was difficulty between them Because Abraham relied on his own ability and his own wisdom. And we find that in the world today, these two brothers are still arguing. In Gaza and in Israel and Palestine today, we're living with the consequences of the sin that Abraham committed hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so I just, you know, I want us to be aware of that. Although God completely forgives us, he washes us from the mistakes that we make. He cleanses us. We often live with the consequences of sins committed against us and to us and in us. So I want us to read from um, Genesis chapter 11, sorry, Genesis chapter 16. And um, we're going to read from 
verses 1 through to 16. I'm going to read from the CSB Bible. And I don't want us to read this story without feeling the emotion of it, because there's a lot of pain in this story. I don't want it just to be kind of a, a vague, simple you know, narrative. I want us to really capture the heart and the, the emotion of what's going on here. Sarah's in pain. Hagar's in difficulty. There's, you know, she's, gonna, she's abused. It's a, tri- a tragic story. And, um, and even the consequences of this story, they came through pain. And I want us to look at that and see that as we read together. So yeah, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 16. Abraham's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abraham, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave, perhaps through her I can build a family. You see the motivation, she perhaps through Hagar, I can build a family. She was trying to bypass God's promises. And Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So Abraham's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as a wife for him. This happened after Abraham had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years. He slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. And then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for my suffering. Interesting, isn't it? We, we blame others. But it was actually Sarai's idea. It kind of smacks of Eden, this. You know, you can see so many similarities between the story of what happened to Adam and Eve in in the Garden of Eden and what happened here with Abraham and Sarai. I became contemptible to her. You are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms and when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. Abraham replied to Sarai, here, your slave is in your power. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. And the angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son and you will name him Ishmael. And Ishmael literally means God hears. For the Lord has heard the cry of your affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will settle near to all his relatives. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. This is really interesting because there's no other point where someone in the Bible names Jehovah. 
And it's interesting, she's naming the Lord. This is probably the first time that we see the angel of the Lord actually is most likely, and most commentators, theologians would agree that the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. He's the Lord. And she, so she named the Lord. This is the, this, this cheeky Egyptian maidservant names the Lord El Roy. You are El Roy, which literally means in this place have I seen the one who sees me. That is why the well is called Beer Laha Roy. It is between Kadesh and Bered. And so Hagar gave birth to Abraham's son. And Abraham named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abraham, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So we're going to learn three lessons today from this story. Lesson one is from Abraham. And I've just said this, be passive or seize the hope. It's so easy when, when the pressure's on, it's so easy in our Christian walk, when we don't see an obvious end to the circumstances that we're in. We don't see God's promises being fulfilled. A bit like you know, Martin was sharing there about Malcolm and Mandy, will you pray for my daughter, Louise? Often we give up. And, and, I, and it's, I, want to, I, want to I want to challenge us this morning and from the life of Abraham and say, we have a choice to make, church. We can either lose hope or we can, give, we can seize hope. We can be passive or we can seize hope. Abraham, when Sarai came to him, should have said, Sorry, no, we're not going to do this. No, I'm not going to sleep with Hagar. No, we're not going to have children from by this way. We're going to come to God. We're going to... ...part of our church family here. And I remember Mo tells the story of when she came to faith in Jesus Christ. And she came home and she told Bill that she'd become a Christian. And Bill said to her, you've got a choice to make. It's going to be either me or God. What are you going to do? And most said, well, I'm going to believe God. And I feel a real challenge to us as a church. We've got to learn to fight for the promises of God. We've got, we've got to learn to fight. Uh, I'm so grateful for, uh, for my wife, Lynn. Just recently, there's been a number of people in the church who've been really struggling with sickness. And I've heard her really crying out to God in prayer and saying, God, I'm not going to let these people suffer. I'm believing you. You're going to restore them. You're going to heal them. You're going to bring about your purposes in their lives. You know, church, Christian, we've got to learn to fight for the promises of God. We've got to learn to fight for our families, for our wives, for our husbands, for our children. There's no guarantees that you know, things are always going to work out right, but we've got to trust God. And instead of leaning into passivity, we've got to seize the hope that is set before us. You know, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 to 18, just says this, just talking about covenant. Verse 17, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things, 
That's his word and his covenant in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. Last week, Jürgen reminded us of the covenant that God made with Abraham. He promised him to bless him. He promised to make his name great. He promised to to fill the earth with his descendants. But Abraham didn't have any children. He decided to take matters into his own hands. And he slept with Hagar, which wasn't God's plan. And so often we can fall into trying to try and do things in our own strength because we lose hope. And this this is not judgmental in any sense because I see it in myself so often. But I feel a little provocation this morning just to say, don't give up. Don't give up. He's saying that to us as King's Church. Don't give up. I've got a purpose for you. If If you're a parent of children that don't know the Lord, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Abraham should have fought for God's words of promise and seize the hope. We need to learn to fight in prayer. The wonderful thing today is that Mo and Bill Tizard are here worshipping God together because he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? She didn't lose hope. There would have been times where she wanted to give up, but she kept praying and she kept trusting God. She kept believing. God, you're going to make a way. You're going to make it happen. I think that's amazing. It's so easy for us to focus on Sarai's cruelty to Hagar in the story. But none of it would have happened apart from Abraham's passivity. Don't be passive, church. Trust God. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the the theologian, says this, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Let's not be passive. Let's be, pro, you know, let's be proactive. Let's keep trusting God. So that's the lesson that we can learn from Abraham this morning. And let's not be passive. Let's trust God. Let's seize hope. And then there's a lesson that we can learn from Sarai. And I feel for Sarai because when she's introduced by Moses into this story in chapter 11, she's introduced as the woman who's unable to bear children. Can you imagine that? In, that? in that era, that was huge. It's huge in our era, but it was huge in that era. Not to have children, to be barren. And she's introduced to the st- into the story as the woman that was unable to have children. So her whole identity was wrapped up in the fact that she couldn't have offspring. And yet God had made this incredible promise to them both that they would father nations. There's pain in Sarah, the pain of hope deferred, the pain of prayers not answered, the pain of arms not holding your own child, the pain of humiliation. I'm so moved by Sarah's pain. She's around 76 with no children. What's the point? Even her motivation in verse 2 is not great. It's right out of her. Perhaps I can build a family from Hagar's offspring. It wasn't uncommon in those, those days to, to have a servant, a maidservant, be a surrogate mother. 
It's quite a common practice in the Near East, but it wasn't God's plan for Abraham and Sarah. And there's just one lesson I want us to learn from this situation is often when we let pain into our life and when pain takes hold of our life, and it does, we live in a world full of pain and circumstances that have given us much grief. But if we don't allow God into our pain, we turn into victims. We become victims. And that's what happened to Sarai. The Lord has closed my womb. She became a victim. Even though God had promised, she couldn't believe it. And you know what pain does to us as we walk through it? If we don't allow God into the middle of our pain and into our suffering, we become victims. And when we become victims, God's unable to work freely in our lives. Sarai treated Hagar really badly. When she became pregnant, you know, it doesn't go into detail, but it's obvious that she's been treated poorly. And she runs away into the wilderness, Hagar does. You know, when unforgiveness remains in our hearts, it turns us into victims. We start to deceive ourselves and to adopt a behavior that stinks. It's not Christ-like. I know this because I've fallen into that trap myself. And I know many of you here have. Linda and I went to a restaurant a few years ago. We had a ploughman's lunch. And uh, there was a huge slab of blue vein cheese. You know that really smelly stuff? That's it. <laughs> and um, she couldn't eat the whole ploughman's lunch, so she... She got the slab of cheese and she wrapped it in a napkin and put it in a handbag. And she said to me on the way out, don't forget to tell me this cheese is in the handbag. <laughs> Guess what? I forgot to tell her that the cheese was in the handbag and it was probably a couple of months later. <laughs> I didn't say I'm exaggerating, sorry. How long later was it? I was next day. <laughs> You have to understand I'm a bit of a preacher, so I can stretch the limits. So anyway, apparently, I thought it was a lot longer than that. Anyway, it was the, the next day, and she went to the handbag, she opened it up, and it stunk. And there is a serious side to that, is that, you know, when we don't let God, you know, work his forgiveness in our hearts, when we don't let God into our pain, our lives start to stink. They really do. And we start to hurt people. And that's what Sarai did. She wasn't able, she struggled to let God into her pain. And as she struggled to let him into her pain, he wasn't able to heal her and restore her. He wanted to walk through the pain with her. We have an amazing Thursday church here that happens on a, on a Thursday morning. And a few weeks ago, we were talking about forgiveness. And there was a lady who was part of Thursday Church. Uh, after the service, came up to us and said, I've never been able to forgive my daughter. Um, many, many years ago, she left home and she got married. She eloped. She, we, none of us were invited to her wedding. And it's so painful. 
And although we've been able to talk and we have a relationship, I've never really been able to forgive her. But today, as you were talking about forgiveness, I let her go. And I forgave her. And she said as she did that, there was a big weight that came off her shoulder. And so the, the, second, the second thing I want us to learn from this story today is through Sarai's life. Don't let hurt and disappointment, and those things are very real, <laughs> and we've got very, re- very real reasons to feel hurt and to feel pain. But God's saying, let me into your pain. Let me into your life. Let me help you forgive. Because it's not us that's on the hook when we don't forgive. Sorry, it's not the other person that's on the hook when we don't forgive. It's ourselves. And we need to let ourselves off the hook and to forgive. Let God into your pain and forgive. Forgiveness stops us stinking. And then just thirdly, as I come to an end, I want us to learn a lesson from, from Hagar. Hagar's gone into the wilderness. And it's the angel of the Lord, which you know we believe it's the Lord himself, the pre- pre-incarnate Christ, meets Hagar by this well, by this spring. Hagar's the outsider in this story, and I love Hagar's story because I'm the outsider. And God met with Hagar out in the wilderness, like he meets with us, right where we are. And I love the fact that when God speaks to Hagar, the first thing he says is, where have you come from and where are you going to? And that's a bit of a question I've got for you. Where have you come from and where are you going to? Hagar wasn't able to answer the second part of the question But she said, well, I've come from my mistress, Sarai, and I'm running away. She didn't didn't know where she was going. I think God's love is incredible because right in that moment there, God says to her, I'm going to name the son that you are bearing, the child that you are bearing is going to be called Ishmael. And Ishmael literally means the God who hears. God heard the cry of her suffering, it says in those verses. And God hears the cry of our suffering. And I'm so grateful that he does. And that he doesn't, he doesn't finish with us because somehow we're the result of something that shouldn't have happened. He's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. He hears us. And then I love it towards the end of the chapter, Hagar says to God, I have seen the God who sees me. And the interesting thing that God says to Hagar, Yahweh says to, to her, I want you to go back. I find that so hard. I want you to go back. I want you to go back to where the suffering was. I want to walk, you know, what he's saying, I really believe the implied message that God is saying in, in these words is, I want to walk with you through this pain. I want to bring you back to the covenant promises, to that covenant family. I've got a purpose and a plan for your life, Hagar. But you've got to go back. 
And this, I know there are some here today, and God's not calling you to go back to, abuse, to an abusive situation. But some, so often we run away from painful situations because we can't face it. And God has got a plan to take us through the pain rather than round the pain. I know there'll be loads of stories in this room, and I've got them as well in my life, where God has said, I'm not going to let you go round this pain. You've got to go through it. But you know the wonderful thing is, he goes through it with us. And he had a chance to, he wanted to go around his pain. If we look at the story in Luke 22 of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's just about to be crucified and he says to his father, if it be your will, let this cup pass by me, but not my will, but yours be done. So he understands us. He understands when we want to go round our pain, when we don't want to go through it. But God has a wonderful way of healing us and restoring us through the pain. And so for some of us, we're out in the desert. Maybe you've run away from church. Maybe you've run away from God. Maybe you've run away from difficult situations in your life. And God's saying, where have you come from? And where are you going? Go back. And as we go back to what God has called us to and what God has placed us in, he goes with us. He walks through the pain with us. I want to get the guys in the band to come on up. We're going to come to the end of our time in just a bit. It's so easy to think that it's our circumstances that's important, but God's actually more interested in our heart. Hagar didn't need her circumstances to change. She needed her heart to change. God hears the cry of our suffering and provides a way out, his way out. Jesus is our way out. And I love the fact that God sees and he hears and he brings us back. You know, that God is teaching us to be triumphant where we are. It's not a change of location or circumstances we need, but a change of heart. The flesh wants to run away, but God wants to demonstrate his power exactly where we have known our greatest difficulties. Everything within us wants to run away from our circumstances at times. But God wants to flood our circumstances with his amazing light and his hope. Hagar gives Yahweh a name. I love it. I have seen the God who sees me. I don't know. Maybe you're aching under the pain of marriage. God sees. Maybe you're aching under, the, under difficult circumstances. God sees. If you, if you feel like running away, God sees. Maybe you're aching under the pressures of life. They're crowding in on you, but God sees. God has met you, sent Jesus near and gives you new hope. When we hear the God who hears our suffering and we see the God who sees us, we can repent and go back to him. Go back to his covenant family. Go back to the security that he gives us. 
Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I wonder whether we could just stand together. And I think there are, there are three responses to these three lessons today. And I want us to respond as we, we're going to sing a song together. But just right where we are in, in our seats, we have an opportunity to do that. Maybe you can learn the lesson from Abraham. Are you going to fight for God's promises? Like Mo with Bill and like Malcolm and Mandy for Louise, are going to fight for God's promises, not let him go, seize the hope. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've found that actually in your Christian walk, you've just got a bit passive. You need to get up in the middle of the night and start walking around the lounge and shouting and declaring God's goodness and, and claiming God's promises. I think we've forgotten to do that. We need to get to prayer meetings. We need to cry out to God. Seize the hope. Fight for God's promises. Church, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe that's you. Make a choice today to do that. Maybe you're like Sarai and you need to let God into your pain. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. For, you know, for all the reasons actually we can justify because we're hurt, we're broken, we're hope deferred. There's loads of really good reasons why we should feel this pain. But God's saying, let me into the pain. Let me forgive. Let me forgive others. Let me forgive you. Forgive me. Sometimes we've got to forgive God because we're holding God to account for things that have happened in our life. And sometimes we just say, not that he's done anything wrong, but we somehow have to let him go and say, God, I give you everything. Maybe that's you today. Maybe the stuff, maybe you start to stink a bit. And as we sing this song, I surrender all, I just wonder whether we, you take that step and say, you know what, I'm going to surrender this area of unforgiveness, of pain in my life. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. Have your way in my life. And then thirdly, Hagar's lesson. Come back. It may mean walking through the hurt, but God sees you and He wants to walk through you. Don't go round. Let Him walk through the pain with you. Right. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song together. And I just want to give people that opportunity to respond. If that's you today, just right where you are. I don't think we need to come forward or anything like that, but right where you are. Just say, Lord God, I respond to you. I respond to you. But I'm also aware that for some, you would appreciate someone to stand alongside you and to pray. Maybe you're like Sarai and you've just grown bitter. And you've grown hard and there's unforgiveness in your heart. If you'd appreciate someone just to pray with you, and it's a brave thing. I'm going to ask the, the prayer ministry team just to come here, just to the side, just past the baptistry just to be there. But if you feel like you want to have someone stand with you today and just pray, then please go and join them. We're going to sing this song together.
And if that's you and you say, I don't want to leave this room today with, with that smell in my life anymore. I want to forgive. I want to let go. Then this is the opportunity to do that.